Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Agent Lorraine Broughton, expert in intelligence collection and hand-to-hand combat. Shall we begin? There's a double agent hunting our operatives. Find out who it is. Someone set me up. Someone from the inside. Well, then you knew that, didn't you? Welcome to The Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. Be a part of the conversation as industry insiders, genre lovers, and cinephiles dare to peek beyond the curtains of imagination and dive into the art of cinema. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. Now here's your host, Armand Haddad. Ruthie, thank you again for coming on to the show. I'm so glad you're here. And I think it's it's been, when was the last time you were on the show? Was it the conversation? You, you and Hector had a boys' night, and you and Ed, Hector and Ed had a boys' night. Yes. I think it was the conversation. I think that yeah. was the last time. So it's been a while. I'm glad that you're here. We're talking about Atomic Blonde, which was your recommendation. So before we even talk about the movie proper, how did you even hear of the movie Atomic Blonde? So let me see. I think I saw trailers for it on TV, but here's the weird thing. I was talking with my mom and I could have sworn my mom saw it and she recommended it to me. And we were talking about it recently and I'm like, I'm surprised you recommended Atomic Blonde to me. And she's like, what's Atomic Blonde? Who is that? (laughs) So I described the plot to her and she's like, that sounds pretty neat. (laughs) I'm going to watch it this weekend. So it was just unknown who who uh, recommended to you. It's like my mom, except it wasn't my mom. Maybe it was a mom from another dimension. Maybe. Yes, another time period. But um, but yeah, you recommended Atomic Blonde to me. And to be honest, this movie has been on my watch list since it came out in 2017. And I just watched it right now. And I have to say right off the bat, I absolutely love this movie for so many different reasons. 
Um, for growing up, I was really into new wave, 80s new wave, synth wave, and this movie just like start to finish all the 80s hits and I'm like this this is awesome I love the art direction I love Charlize Theron like she is such a badass and like I'm so glad that you told me to watch this movie because I don't know why I've been sleeping out for so long but uh yeah so I'm glad you told me about it and I listened yeah it's definitely worth a watch uh I know I think it was the director the the director is the same person who directed John Wick, uh, Nobody, Violent Night, which is coming out this Christmas, apparently. Yes. Uh, all those, like, uh, action man movies, same guy as Atomic Blonde. Well, it definitely shows because, like, the action in this movie was so well filmed and so well Crisp. choreographed. Yes, it was so good. And, like, it was gritty, too. And John Wick is, like, known for its grittiness because, like, uh, that director, when he was creating John Wick, he was like, I've watched all these action movies. And, for example, like, in the knife fights, I don't know if you've seen John Wick, but, like, yes. there's this knife fight where John Wick is throwing these knives at these people. And traditionally, action movies prior, they get stuck with the knife and then they fall down they're dead. In real life, it doesn't work that way. And uh, the director... David uh, Leach, he wanted, he was like, you know what? I want this real. If people get stuck with the knives, they're still fighting. And that sentiment is definitely an atomic blonde because like there are so many moments where I'm like, Ooh, ah, it's gritty. It's real or it feels real. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. This was a fantastic movie. It really is. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I've heard of this movie because like I'm into those espionage movies and before, before even recording, when you even pitched this to me, um, personally, I'm a fan of James Bond. One of my friends growing up, he was like really into James Bond. He bought the huge collection of box sets. He watched them all. That was his Star Wars. Like for me, Star Wars, like I watch them all the time. Love those movies. That's him with James Bond. Like I just like the movies. I like the good ones. And when you pitch this to me, you're like, this is so much better than James Bond. I'm Why do you think it's girl. better? You're not a bond. You're not a Bond girl, but you also don't like Bond. <laughs> um, so, like, why is Atomic Blonde speaking to you more rather than uh, 007? Well, to give context, uh, I was not raised on Bond. I was actually uh, growing up. I watched a lot more of Austin Powers, which is like <laughs> the riff of James Bond. The reason that they didn't make a James Bond in the '90s. Uh, so. Uh, Austin Powers, Johnny English, uh, Get Smart. Those are my spy flicks. I know nice. they're mostly comedy and not action. Yeah. But I think the reason I like Atomic Blonde is versus James Bond is James Bond is a horrible spy. Everyone knows who he is inside and outside <laughs> of the universe. Just as soon as he steps off the plane, ooh, James Bond. And he's never like, shit. He's like, yeah, I'm James Bond. Uh, Elaine Brighton in Atomic Blonde, we know her credentials, but we don't know her. We get to know her in the film. Yes. And she feels a lot more like a spy in that sense where we get to kind of peer over her shoulder and try and figure out what's going on. Right. Yeah. James Bond is like, you know, he's a secret agent and yet he's the only secret agent that says his name all the time. Uh, it's Bond, James Bond. And with Charlize uh, Theron's character, Lorraine, 
you don't really hear her talk about her name all that much. Like she feels like mm-hmm. an actual spy because she's very reserved. She keeps things close to the chest. She doesn't trust anybody. And James Bond is kind of like this uh, suave uh, madman character where he like comes in and he's like, where's my martini? And like that's, um, well, that's like the old school James Bond. But like, yeah, I mean, this feels more, more gridded. Uh, more rooted in reality rather than James Bond. You could see why Austin Powers and Johnny English like parodied um, James Bond because like he's so easy to make fun of. He really is. <laughs> he's like James Bond with a it's B O N D. Here's my social security number. Here's my badge number. I do have a license to kill. <laughs> Check out all my cool gadgets. Oh man, but yeah, I mean. Do you think, I mean, okay, I'm just going to say it right now. Um, I think it's long overdue. We had like an awesome female spy movie. It's always male driven. And I think in reality, there are female spies, especially during the Cold War. It just makes sense. Yeah. uh, Let me see. I think it's the Revolutionary War employed a lot of uh, female spies, uh, Civil War as well. Because, you know, for the longest time, women were kind of... Uh, thought of as being lesser and when you think lesser of your spot uh someone it's really easy to get more information exactly or reverse when someone uh underestimates you it's really easy to get those little tidbits yep um i don't know if the phrase honeypot would apply but it's kind of like a honeypot where it's like yeah you know, your guard is down. You don't expect this person to be working for the enemy or even, you know, capable of killing me. And, you know, they are. And it's like you divulge information, you let your guard down. And in some cases, you're probably going to be end up uh, dead because of it. So uh, that's the case with Charlene Theron's uh, character because, like, she can hold her own. And the fight choreography in this film, I was blown away. Because, like, she beats up. I lost count how many guys she beat up. Multiple guys. In heels. At the same time, wearing a dress, wearing an overcoat. Like, this woman, she's a badass. What what can I say? She's a badass. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, let's get into Atomic Blonde. We talked about it. So, before we go any further, Ruthie, I need you... To pitch me and the listener as if we've never seen Atomic Blonde before, how would you pitch this movie to that person? Atomic Blonde takes the very used plot point of uh, all spy uh, identities of a given agency are about to be uncovered. You need to find this list and deal with it, prevent that information from getting out, and it turns it on its head. it's a spy thriller. Uh, main character is Lorraine Brighton. She goes to Cold War Berlin, like end of the Cold War. The Berlin Wall is coming down and come, uh, comes together as this beautiful set piece yep. as she's navigating West Berlin, East Berlin, trying to figure out who to trust and trying not to get murdered by those darn Russians. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, this film is so intricate. And so complicated, and yet it's so accessible to a lot of people because, like, it the plot's very convoluted. 
in my opinion. Um, and that works in its favor. I know it sounds weird, but like, you know, hear me out on this because like with a spy film such as James Bond, they're a little bit too simplistic and reality uh, dictates, uh, dictates uh, otherwise because like, real life is pretty damn complicated. And with this film, it's like twists and turns and you don't know who to trust. And the director, I think does that on purpose because like with this film, you know, we're introduced to this, uh, spy. We don't know his name. He's just in, I think it's East Berlin and he ends up getting killed by one of the, communists, German, Russian type person, not really sure who, but like he, he dies, gets dumped in the river. And that's the inciting incident that lays, uh, you know, sets the pieces for the rest of the film. And then we're introduced to Charlize Theron's character. And right then and there, it's like, okay, we know the stakes are set. We know this world is brutal. And yeah, I mean, we're coming into this with that sentiment and, Honestly, it's quite uh, refreshing because, like, I don't think films do that a lot nowadays, even though this is only five years old. Like, this whole, the art direction of this film is so good. Like, I was just blown away, even aesthetically. Like, like past, you know, the choreography, the awesome acting, just, like, the way they presented this story. Like, you can tell that the director and everyone involved had a vision and what helps is they had the graphic novel that it's based on as reference. Have you read the graphic novel by chance? I have not. Hector, uh, after we finished the movie, he read through because uh, the ending's a little convoluted. And he was like, was this pulled from the graphic novel? And the answer is kind of, sort of, not really. <laughs> uh, the, so the movie uh, just, yeah. Not spoilers. The movie goes on to reveal more information, and it kind of just keeps going. The graphic novel reveals that last bit of information, but it cuts. If that makes any sense. Um, maybe. Because, like, are you talking about the ending of the movie? Yes. I was trying not to spoil for our lovely audience. Okay, we'll get into spoilers, but, like, I'm curious. Like, okay, obviously this movie... Things don't really wrap up at the end. It's like there's obviously a continuation to this story. I mean, it's been five years. I kind of hope there would be another one after watching this. They movie. said that they said that there's a, they were apparently recording for an Atomic Blonde too, but that was like four or five years ago yeah. at this point. So I don't know what's going on. I don't think it's happening, to be honest. Yeah, and it just sucks because Which is a like, shame. Charlie Stan was so good. Like when I was watching this, I was like, okay, she can easily be like this generation's Sigourney Weaver or this generation's um, Sarah Connor. Like she could totally be like that badass action star, but she clearly doesn't want to, or else she would, you know? Because like I haven't really seen her in much what? action roles. Have you? Actually, uh, she played Furiosa in Mad Max Fury Road. You're right. Uh, a couple of years before. You're right. I think it was after. And wasn't she in Charlie's Angels? No, it wasn't after. No, she was not in Charlie's Angels. She was. You're thinking of um, not in the Cameron Diaz. 
Okay, I'm thinking of Cameron Diaz. Yeah, Cameron Diaz. I mean, they're both blonde. They both kind of look the same. Are you saying all blondes look the same, Ruthie? <laughs> Speaking as a blonde, no. <laughs> yeah, like, ah, uh, like to have like, I mean, this, like I said earlier, this definitely feels like the female uh, Bond character, even though in the latest Bond, which I didn't see, uh, there was a female 007. Did you mm-hmm. know about that? I heard about that. I have a lot of friends who are Bond people. I still, like I said, I I haven't even seen any of the new James Craig's or Daniel Craig's. I've seen <laughs> I com- combined the Craig. two of them. Uh, <laughs> I saw like half of one like a decade ago, and I'm like, this is an Austin Powers. It's not worth my time. Okay, I'm gonna be honest with you. If you're gonna watch a James Bond movie, you should watch Goldeneye, because not only is it a great video game. But it's also an awesome movie. It's uh, Pierce Brosnan's first Bond. I think his only good Bond, to be honest. I think he's my mom's favorite Bond. He's so a good-looking man. That, that might have been the one I saw. Goldeneye. But I couldn't get in. It might have been, but I couldn't get into it. Sean Bean is in it. Ned Stark. And guess what? He dies. <laughs> <laughs> is that what started the trend? I think he was always destined to die in movies because his name doesn't rhyme and it should rhyme, given how it's spelled. Sean mm-hmm. Bean. But anyways, that's my that's my two cents on James Bond. But let's put James Bond behind us. We're talking about Atomic Blonde now. So it's a very convoluted story, and I think that uh, helps the movie because real life isn't cut and dry, especially during the Cold War. Like, you have, like, double agents on both sides. And with this film, it's like... Perhaps even triple agents. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're going to get into it. All right, let's get into it. So, Charlize Theron, James McAvoy is also in it. Like, when he popped in the movie, I was distracted because it's James McAvoy. Not saying he's a good-looking guy. He's a good-looking guy. But, like, I just see him as himself. (laughs) You know, like, when, when movie stars are, like, so big... um. You just see them as the actual actor. Charlize Theron, she like transformed into this other character. But like when James McAvoy came into into the fray, it's like, should I trust this guy? He seems a little shady. What do you think about him? Yeah, it was funny because when I was rewatching it with Hector, I had misremembered it. So uh, in the movie, they introduced this uh, person only known as Satchel. And Satchel is apparently the one who's been leaking all this information to the Russians. Right. And I had remembered him actually being Satchel. And it, it's so obvious. Like, it's really clear. He doesn't really care about his mission anymore. He kind of just likes to party and get rich and be, like, well-known in East Berlin for all the joys that he can smuggle in. And... uh He's like gives you no reason to trust that he actually is helping Lorraine, and uh, yeah, it's it's interesting in that regard. Dare I say, because he rem- he reminded me of I think the character's name is Yuri in Stranger Things season four, uh, the Russian guy that would like smuggle in peanut butter and other American goods to his comrades. Uh, beyond the iron <laughs> curtain so like james mcavoy reminded me of that except 
James McAvoy's character obviously predates Stranger Things season four. So I'm not saying that the Duffer brothers stole this character type, but I think they stole this character type from Atomic Blonde. I think they saw Atomic Blonde. They're like, I like that guy. Let's put him in our show. We tr- they tried to get the cameo with Shirley Starin. Didn't work. They had to figure out another <laughs> avenue. I mean, because they already have a it's an blonde. extended universe. Yeah, it's an extent. All movies are all <laughs> interconnected, and James uh, Atomic Blonde is in the Stranger Things universe. Side note: Do you think Charlize Theron's character uh, Lorraine could best Eleven in Stranger Things? I think she can. I th- yeah, I think she could. Mostly because Eleven's, like, you know, still a teenager. Yeah, I mean, she has the powers, but, like, I think someone inept in their fighting skills could easily take her out. Yeah, yeah, because Lorraine, like, she could just, like, saunter up, like, no, I'm not going to hit a 14-year-old. That's crazy. What? (laughs) Exactly. You know? Yes. Oh, yeah. I can easily see this happening. Um, So let's get back into the film. So... Yeah, I mean, everyone in this movie is like kind of oozes the sentiments of like, you can't trust him, especially James McAvoy, because it's like he's this bombastic character. You don't really know what his motives are. He's wearing the East Berlin uniform on, and it's like, what? Who is this man? I'm very confused. But like, you can't help but like him at the same time. He's a very likable guy. Yeah, he's got this. Yeah, he's got like that uh, scruffy nerf herder kind of charm, you know, like uh, Han Solo yes, did. Yes, exactly. Yes. I, to- I could totally see that now because like he's a guy that you know not to mess with, but it's like there's this charm to him. Thief with the heart of gold. Except, and we're going to get into spoilers now, he does not have a heart of gold at all. <laughs> Except, does he? And this is where the convolution comes in because, like, we hear about the secret agent Satchel. The driving force with this film is um, this uh, defector, double agent spy named, uh, what's his name? Skyfall? Spy? Spyglass. Uh, Spyglass, uh, played by Eddie Marson. Great actor. Um, he has, like, a list of all the double agents. Um, in the I don't think it's just double agents. I think it's all agents. Just all agents, okay. Let's... All agents in MI6, or at least all the, like the the big names. Yeah. So he has that master list. So it's up to Atomic Blonde, <laughs> Charlie Theron's character, to get the list uh, before it falls into the hands of the Soviets. Because if it does. Uh, the whole Cold War will probably go hot and the fucking issues. And yeah, so that's like the driving force. And then we have James McAvoy, who's like this agent for MI6, except he's not really working for MI6. You know what I mean? Wink. Would you like to unpack his character a little bit more? Yeah, he seems like a guy who, uh, upon arriving in Berlin, kind of found out oh, this is the death of my career as a spy, and fuck it, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And <laughs> he does exactly that. He smuggles things to and fro. Uh, he doesn't really 
work with anyone. He's kind of like always in it for himself. Yeah. Always trying to find the best things for himself. Like, uh, he doesn't just work for MI6. He also works with the Russians when it's profitable for him. Uh, and it is quite profitable. Right. And yeah, I don't, I think. He's always in it for number one. Yeah, exactly. So, like, okay, let's just get into it. So we have John Goodman. He's a CIA operative. And the narrative structure of this film is, like, Charlize Theron is being interrogated by the CIA, John Goodman and Toby Jones. And she's, like, essentially recounting her experience in Berlin as the Berlin Wall is falling down. And... It's revealed that, correct me if I'm wrong, Jane McAvoy's character, David, is working for the CIA. He could be. I don't remember that. I know he's definitely working with the Russians because he did shoot Spyglass. He was like selling information to the CIA, right? Yeah. He was selling in any information to anyone with the high, whoever's the highest bidder. Because he was preventing Spyglass from getting killed by the communists, but then he kills Spyglass. Mm-hmm. You see where the issue is? Because Spyglass stopped being you. Yes. Yeah. And and like we're not even talking about like uh, Sophia Butella's character Delphine, who's the other agent that's intermixed mm-hmm. in all this. Yeah, it's and it's like. Everyone is working for someone else, but then they're having this front, like they are working for their actual agency. I'm very confused. Can you help this confusion? (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you think about it from the perspective of David, it does make sense where he's helping out Spyglass at first, because at this point, he doesn't have the list. The Russian, that Russian guy, I think his name is Alexei? Or uh, what Alexander, Dimitri. I think it's Alexander. The the officer, the officer guy, the one that shot uh, the guy at the beginning. He's he oh. had the list in the watch. Oh, Yuri, yeah, Yuri. stereotypical Russian name. Yes. So Yuri has the watch. Yuri has the list. So at this point. His only way to sell this information is Spyglass. Spyglass has memorized everything on this list, and That's he proves right. it to uh, to David. Until the point where Elaine has Spyglass, Spyglass is valuable to David. Once he gets across the border, David can't sell that information because that information's already there. So it makes sense for David to pop a cap in his tummy. I don't think it was his... Oh, yeah, it was... Well... I guess it was a stomach. Yeah, I mean, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. Because, like, they thought it was this actual list, and then Spyglass was like, no, I memorized it, you know, just in case. Yeah. You know, they're trying, you know, so they don't kill me. But then he stopped being useful, and then now the list is in the hands of David. Right? Okay. Yeah, David had the list at his office, I think it was. Oh, shit. Okay, so David has the list, and then David... Okay, so, okay. All right. Let's back up. <laughs> okay, so, like, 
We have Charlize Theron. She's doing her spy shits. She meets up with Delphine, who's this uh, pretty green agent. It's like her first mission, I think. And I don't know if... She's a part of uh, French intelligence, yes. too, which uh, they have the Superior Intelligence Service, because I don't remember what they were called other, th other than just French intelligence. That's true. They don't. We don't know their name. <laughs> Because we know the CIA. It's not as famous as CIA or, or MI6. Or MI6. I, I'm pretty certain there's an MI5. That's even more secret. It stands to reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Area 50. Area <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they have the French intelligence, um, Delphine, and... I don't know if we said this before, but like the guy that got killed, we're all over the place. The guy that got killed in the beginning was like Lorraine's boyfriend, love interest. Yeah, they lover. were like they were like partner, like business partners, but then they were also like partners, partners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it became personal for Lorraine to find out what's going on in Berlin, and so she goes to Berlin, meets uh, another fellow agent, David Percival. And he's like, like we were saying, this swashbuckling weirdo that can't really trust him, or should we trust him? Is that right? And then she meets the French intelligence person that's also trying to get the spyglass list and trying to figure out who spyglass is. And David decides, you know what? I'm going to betray everybody. And God damn it. I want that money. Yeah, he, yeah. Typical thief with the heart of gold except he doesn't have the gold he's just a thief at this point and so he kills spyglass and now he is setting out to kill both charlie's theron's character lorraine and delphine and i don't know if like like i said in the beginning this movie takes so many twists and turns i didn't expect that to happen at all because like he's kind of Positioned in the beginning as like a hero character or like a partner to uh, Lorraine, but then it gets mm -hmm. turned on its head very quickly. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because it sets up Delphine as like, "Ooh, don't trust her. She's going to be the the Bond girl, the femme fatale." And right. uh, it's funny how quickly she and Jane, uh, she and David just flip. Not that David ends up being a Bond girl, but like <laughs> you expect him. You expect Delphine to be the bad guy and then David's the bad guy. Right, exactly. Because, like, yeah, you put it perfectly. Like, she's definitely um, portrayed as a femme fatale. Like, clearly, I was getting, like, Catwoman vibes. I was like, clearly, this is, mm -hmm. like, the person that's probably going to be the troublemaker. And she wasn't. If anything, her and Lorraine had a thing going on. They liked each other. And oh, they liked each other a lot. They liked each other very, they knew each other, if you know what I mean. And David, he, I just, I just love that inversion because, like, we as the audience expect David's character, Jane McAvoy, to be the good guy because, like, okay, we have a, a female protagonist. You need probably makes sense to have a male protagonist too, balance it out. Guy and the girl. But the director was like, no, let's uh, 
let's subvert the expectations of the audience and have who we thought was going to be the villain be the hero and who we thought was going to be the hero be the villain. And it just turns into a mess. And we as the audience are on the ride of like, what is happening in this movie? I'm just trying to figure it out. I am in for the ride. And that's what ended up happening as David kills Delphine and is on the hunt to kill Lorraine. That was so shocking, so brutal. And even the way the rest of the scene plays out where Lorraine has a showdown with David, I was completely blown away. Yeah, it's it's tragic because like Lorraine is there, like uh, Delphine contacted Lorraine, and D- Lorraine would have been there just in time. Yep. Like if she'd been there thirty seconds sooner, Delphine would have been able to let her in, and perhaps she would have survived. But uh, David got there first. Yeah. Oh man, like that was shocking. Like I would have thought there would have been more of a a duel between the two, Delphine and David. But uh, I guess David's the more seasoned uh, spy, secret agent, and takes out Delphine. And then Lorraine kills David. Do you think that was poetic justice? not only justice? does she kill him. Oh, sorry. Do you think that was poetic justice in a way? Yeah. Well, not only did she kill him, she uh, framed him. You're right. How did she frame him? Uh, she planted all the evidence that she needed to prove that he was Satchel, the one selling the information to the Russians. Yes. And he was selling information to the Russians, just not all that information. That's right. Yeah. Because, like, there's so many threads going on. We have, like, the whole spyglass thing with the list of uh, secret agents. And then we have, like, who's Satchel? What's happening? And then, yeah, it seems like all the loose ends were tied when Lorraine uh, frames David as like, okay, David Satchel. That closes that book. But then actual reality is uh, as the movie plays on, we see who Satchel is. Who is Satchel? The scene plays out. Lorraine gets to a fancy hotel. She takes off her atomic blonde signature wig, reveals she's a brunette. Yeah. That's how we know. <laughs> uh, she goes up to this penthouse and she meets, uh, I think it, this one is uh, like Alexander spelled the Russian way. Yeah. Uh, he was an antagonist. He, uh, I think he tried to kill her at some point and she's like, you know, you didn't have to try and kill me as hard as you did. And he's like, yeah, but we didn't want to prove that you were Satchel too easily, right? And she's like, you asshole, I bruised three ribs because of you. And right. it's revealed that she was Satchel the whole time. And uh, they try to wrap up that last loose thread with Lorraine. And uh, she ends up cleaning their mess instead. And by their mess, I mean them. Yeah. Because, like, they're going to kill her, uh, Alexander, who was uh, kind of like they painted as the antagonist in the beginning of the movie. And then he kind of, like, disappeared. Uh, ended up being, like, she was working for him, but then in actuality, she was actually working for someone else. And 
they want to take her out. Like, okay, let's clean this loose end. But then, like you said, she cleaned them up, took them all out, including mm-hmm. Alexander. And then she then goes to her actual employer in a private jet. And it's John Goodman of the CIA. She was working with the CIA the whole dro- time. She drops the UK or the UK accent. She drops the Russian accent. She's like, "Ugh, can we finally go home now?" It's like, "What?" I'm like, "What? What's happening in this movie? <laughs> who are the who? See, in the graphic novel? Yeah. <laughs> in the graphic novel, it's just she's satchel, and that's how it ends. Really." So they added the layer yeah. of like, oh, she's actually working for the Russians. They added the triple. She's triple agents, quadruple agents. <laughs> so many doubles. Maybe some negate. So then she was always satchel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a double negative. It's like the a- enemy of my enemy is sat. Wait. The yeah, I'm gonna need like a cork board and some red threads. Is my for this. enemy, but if they're the enemy of my enemy, they're still my enemy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, I feel like the plot. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie, uh, but the plot was so damn uh, complicated, overly so. But I, I appreciate the boldness of the director of even doing that because like he could have dumbed it down for us dum-dums. But like, <laughs> I thought I, I was like, no, no, let's make them think. And it's like, I was, I was, I was on a ride and I, it was an exciting, I didn't expect that from this movie. I just expected kind of like a shoot 'em up movie starring the Char- Charlize Theron and there are some awesome action set pieces in this movie, especially that 10 minute long quote single take action scene. Yeah. That was awesome. It like dawned on me like I think like a minute in, I'm like, "Whoa, this is one take." And then it didn't stop ever. And I'm like, "Oh my god. There's no way. There's no way." Like, have you seen Children of Men? I don't think I have. I've seen Daredevil. I know they do like uh, the hallway scene and that's like the one where they all were, they're just following him as he's going or they, they keep a static shot and he's going to and from different rooms just kicking the shit out of everybody. Yeah. Children of Men does something similar to that. The, I know a scene in Daredevil you're talking about um, where it's just the single take. It's choreographed perfectly and with Atomic Blonde it just like in Children of Men, it was like seven minutes long, which is pretty damn long. And this was like over 10 minutes. And it's like, holy shit. Like, the director was like, you know what? Top this. And like, he delivered. Like, you can tell where the stitches are here and there. But like, it was pretty damn seamless. Yeah, and it definitely accomplished what it was trying to do. Because we're watching the fight and we're just sitting here on the couch, just kind of, you know, having a good time. But we're like, <laughs> just watching her we're getting out of breath and exhausted she's another one <laughs> he's so big <laughs> mother's day is around the corner 
Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, man. Yeah, it was good. Like, that was like the shining moment of this movie. I was like, holy fuck. And like, yeah, there was like a, a car chase scene that was also single take. I don't even know how they did it. A combination of special effects and yeah, that would be insane. Because like there was one the camera kept on moving in the car and like the action still happening and it's like, is this a green right. screen? Is this real? If it's real, oh my god! Because you have to get the timing right. It's they like time traveled back to East Berlin. I know. And they shot it on location. <laughs> on location, Berlin Wall. Like, imagine the technology. Of the future, where it's like, I want to create a period piece. Do you have the time machine ready? We're going back. That also be a cheap movie to make, too. You just need the time yeah. machine. You go back, you film it, come back to modern day. Be great. There was actually a movie that uh, they didn't time travel. It, <laughs> it came out right after World. Yeah, I have to press preface that. It came out right after World War II, and it's set right after World War II. It's called uh, Third Man. Okay. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's a wild movie, but like, uh, I don't know. It's kind of that same energy of like, uh, Third Man, the Third Man. A guy's visiting like post World War II. Yeah, yeah, the Third Man. I think it was in the forties or fifties. It was like right after World War II ended. Nineteen forty nine. Yep. Whoa. I have to check this out. Like all the the shots of rubble, those are actual like that. Yeah, that used to be a building. That's not the fake rubble. That's Damn, real rubble. Yeah. Oh my god! Is that Orson Welles? Yes. <laughs> I will yes. warn you. The soundtrack, uh, the uh, what's the word? The the scores. They sound like SpongeBob. And no, it will no, take you don't. out of the movie. No, they you don't. think I'm? No way. Pl- Play it. Okay. Play hold, it. Okay, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Okay, so the third man I, soundtrack. I had to watch this for my... Yeah, like the third man opening theme. I said this... This was in my film class, oh, okay. the one that I keep blabbering on about. Yeah. I said, like, oh, it sounds like Spongebob, and the film professor just looks so disappointed in me. All right, this is the third man soundtrack. I love the bubble effect, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't make sense in Third Man, but, you know, once Spongebob came out, it worked. I love it. So, we're talking about the Third Man now. 
<laughs> you watch this in your film class? Yes, I did. I mean, I don't expect a post-World War II movie to have such upbeat music. Especially with the plot of Third Man, too, because, like, it's a it's a murder mystery. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I appreciate it because, like, I think it evokes the melancholy of the moments of, like, we got through this horrific war, and it's like, you know what, I need a little bit of joy. So it's like this juxtaposition between the brutality of war and the optimism of the future. Is that what the Third Man, do you think that encapsulates that? A little bit. Uh, a little there's bit. also like the music is so upbeat, and it kind of works with the the main character's naivete, because uh, he thinks he can solve this murder that no one else can, only because he's an author, not a murder mystery author like in the realm of Agatha Christie. No, he writes westerns. Oh wow, there's a lot of themes going he's on. He's like, I can solve it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a mess, but it works. And it has Orson Welles. Yes. And this is like pre-drunk fat Orson Welles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Yeah, you know about that commercial? Where he's like selling French wine? I don't. And he's just blasted drunk during the filming of it. <laughs> he's like, what's this? I'm, I'm gonna... Does it do anything? <laughs> like, all right, cut. <laughs> he's like slurring all his words to, so like the finished product is like easily 10 takes all spliced together <laughs> it oh. seems like a parody version of the Jim Henson like you know the, the guy who made uh, Kermit the Frog oh yeah did you ever see the commercials he made with Kermit before uh, he started uh the Muppets, the, the Wilkinson's coffee. No. They're amazing. Really? Yeah. Is that the one where Kermit has like vampire teeth and he's like sucking the blood out of Vincent Price? No. Um, so the, the usual premise is uh, <laughs> Kermit goes up to another Muppet and he's like, hey, do you want to try Wilson's coffee uh, or Wilkinson's coffee? And the other guy's like, no, I'd rather be shot. And then Kermit would like pull out a gun and shoot the other Muppet. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm looking at it. Oh, my God. Kermit looks scary. It's black and white. <laughs> he doesn't look like a frog. And it was like a whole. He doesn't. He doesn't, and uh, this is like a whole, like, ad, like this isn't one ad. This is a full campaign of Kermit just torturing this guy until oh he drinks Wilkins God. coffee. Put your money in here and you get a cup of Wilkins coffee. I don't want any. Then push that button. How about a cup of Wilkins? He just punched somebody. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we went on a very weird tangent. Sorry to lead you on such a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> we went down. Now we're out of the rabbit hole. So, yeah, I mean, this movie, I mean, we talked about it. Like, it has so many twists and turns. But, like, I don't know about you, but, like, I really, really appreciate the soundtrack of this movie. Like, I'm, I, I have it on. I'm listening to it. And I'm like, 
Oh my God. You know, to be honest, before I even watched Atomic Blonde, I knew of the soundtrack because like there's this really good cover of New Order's Blue Monday by Health. It's mm-hmm. like that. That's the first song in the movie, right? Yes. And when I heard it, I was like, is my Spotify going or am I, am I listening to this movie right now? It's like, cause like I know that song just by itself. And I was like, oh my God, this soundtrack slaps. It's so good. Uh, I think the the first song, song, Blue Monday, is my favorite. Or uh, Peter Schilling's uh, Major Tom. Oh, yeah. They, this In this movie, it's the one in German. Yes. I was like, oh, my God. It's so good. It's so good. Like, this is how you make, this is how you make an 80s movie. Like, you use 80s music, but also you have really good covers, too, to accompany it. And it's like... God, I was just the aesthetics, the production, the music, the cinematography too. Mm-hmm. It's just a really awesome movie. It's a feast for the eyes, really. It truly is. It truly is. And like the plot, it's very complicated, but honestly, I think it's still worth it, in my opinion. It it's a good movie, like if you want to watch a movie a couple times to like pick up all the details. Yeah. It's one of those. It's not a one and done. No. Cause like when I pressed stop, I was like, kind of want to watch it again. Because like (laughs) you have that twist ending, you have like all these other crazy moments that happen throughout the film that kind of subvert your expectations. So I wonder, it's like, okay, if I go back Am I going to pick up on all the clues? Am I going to see all the breadcrumbs that the director put in? It's kind of like a magic trick where it's like he's distracting you with this yeah. plot, but actually in the background, this is happening. And it's like, it's a sleight of hand. This whole movie is a sleight of hand. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny because when I was watching with Hector, he'd never seen the movie before. He knew I liked it. But yeah. like somewhere around halfway through the movie, he's like, Charlie's there and she's such a good actress, but why does she keep like defaulting to the American accent sometimes? Cause like she's from South Africa, right? And I'm like, yeah, she's originally from South Africa. And he's like, why does she keep having a, an American accent? I'm like, watch the movie. It'll explain. All questions will be answered. Hector. Oh yeah. Hector, if you're <laughs> listening right now, listen, you better sit down and shut up and just watch the damn movie. <laughs> Well, usually I'm the one talking through movies, so. I mean, I talk through movies sometimes, too, especially if it's, like, kind of boring. (laughs) I'm like, all right, let's have some fun. But, no, I'm the type of person that, like, it's like, you better shut up. Just watch the movie. That's Hector. Don't get up. That's definitely Hector. Don't ask me questions. Well, I love getting questions when I'm, like, watching the movie for the first time, too. It's like, I'm, I'm watching it, too, man. But what's happening? That, I, I don't know. Happens. Just watch the movie. That's what happens when we go watch movies with his family. Oh. Uh, they won't pick up everything, especially if we're watching a Marvel movie. Uh, we will be jostled. And then like his dad, especially his dad's the talker, the movie talker. I'm nowhere near as bad, but his dad will lean and be like, Hector, who is this guy? What's a Thanos? <laughs> and Hector will be like, shush, I'll explain at the end. I remember when I saw Avengers in theaters in 2012. So I had like, you know, that 
end credit sequence of like Thanos looking at the camera and winking, fade to black. And the friend next to me mm-hmm. was like, oh, man, Thanos. I can't believe it. It's Thanos. And I'm like, I don't know who that is, man. <laughs> He's a big purple guy with a weird chin. I don't know. I was like, I know Galactus. Who, who the hell is Thanos? Is he like a purple Hulk? Like what? Oh, man. Little did I know. He'll be the main main guy. But yeah, um, so we reached the end of the show. So, Ruthie, I'm gonna we're gonna get off the fence on a few things. The first one, so Atomic Blonde, it came out in 2017, and honestly, it was pretty good. It was based on the graphic novel, The Coldest City. Uh, watching this movie, do you think it inspired you to actually read the graphic novel, The Coldest City? Honestly. Like Hector keeps telling me I need to read it. I, I I like the world that the movie built. I feel like it can stand on its own two legs without having read the graphic novel. Right. I feel like it explains everything it needs to. Are you afraid like if you read the graphic novel it's just gonna be like, Oh, I this is everything I know already. I've seen the movie. Yeah, adaptions are such hit and miss. Like, um right. a, Annihilation is probably one of the best adaptations I've seen, which is weird because the book and the movie are completely different. And then uh, we just recorded for Jumper, and that was apparently built off a book. And the book is crazy garbage. <laughs> I was going to say, I love that movie. It's so good. It's like Hayden Christensen's like only good movie outside of yeah. Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> it, it's wild because then you like hear about the book and it's like, I mean, yeah, it's okay. And then you read about, the, or you hear about, Hector was telling us about the rest of the book series. Like, it goes from, he can teleport to, uh, he can teleport in two places simultaneously so fast. He's basically two places at the exact same time. And uh, they teleport to space, like, repeat, frequently. Yeah, Just sounds, for shits and giggles. Sounds like garbage to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for me, like... I kind of have a interest in reading the graphic novel, but it's just one novel. You know, I, I it kind of implied like it was a series. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought the movie was great, and I think it. You're right; it does stand on its own. So, do you think we'll ever get a Atomic Blonde two? Yes or no? At this at this point, I don't think we will, which is a shame because this is a good series. And I feel like th- this series makes a little bit more sense to have than John Wick. And I might be, I might be a controversial take here. <laughs> yeah, but John Wick has uh, Keanu Reeves. It does, but Charlize Theron's a pretty good... She's a pretty good leading lady herself. She's pretty awesome. Pretty badass. Um, It doesn't make sense that there wasn't an Atomic Blonde 2 because as a a vehicle to make money for the studio, it made money. So the the budget was $30 which is a lot of money. It made $100 
Woof. So if the marketing was also thirty million, maybe not maybe not that much. They still made a good amount of money, like forty million at least in revenue. So Yeah. Well I mean it's still. That's at least minimum. So they it it made money. So I don't know. And the director still keeps making that same kind of like hyper specific genres with and people are still watching it. So Well, do you want some news yeah. on Atomic Blonde 2? It's coming. Yes, absolutely. It's coming, but it's like the monkey's paw. You're getting what you want, but a little bit of a twist. So uh two years ago in twenty twenty, it was announced it was in development. As a Netflix exclusive film. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I think, I think, okay. So you at reshoot, you know that Netflix films are hit and miss. Oh yeah. More so misses. And I have a feeling that it's, I bet you, okay, it's probably not going to be called Atomic Blonde 2. It's going to be probably called Atomic Blonde colon something. And we're going to have... The Atomic Blondening, yeah. I have a feeling it's not going to star Charlize Theron. Yeah. I have no, a I'd be surprised. Feeling. Because like, okay, let's see how old Charlize Theron is. Uh, Okay, so hold on. She is 47, so she was 42, 41, and filming. She's not going to do this at 50. Yeah. I wouldn't. James Bond's not even that old. Imagine, okay, imagine Grandpa, I'm I'm saying 50's Grandpa. Hold on, everybody. (laughs) But, like... (laughs) To do all those crazy stunts, like, okay, I get it. Like, she's she's a very fit woman, but, like, the, the body ages. <laughs> you know, you can't. So, uh, okay, so she could do it, but she's not doing her own stunts. But then that defeats the purpose of the Atomic Blonde sequel. She could be, like, the cool mentor. Ooh, there you go. Okay, we figured out what Netflix is going to do. We're going to get Atomic Blonde... It's probably just going to be called Atomic Blonde, the coldest city. Who knows? Or maybe uh, she's passing uh, the Atomic torch. Blondes. Like there's a second one. And she, instead of passing the torch, she, she passes the wig. She passes the wig. <laughs> yep. This sounds like hot garbage, but we're going to watch it anyways. <laughs> Fuck, okay. I mean, if Netflix is still a company by the time Atomic Blonde sequel comes out, I bet you this is going to happen. Yeah, it's surprising Netflix just keeps getting L's. Like, every business decision they've made recently, just... What are you doing? It's like they want the company to fail. Yeah. We're going to crack down on passwords. 100 million loss in subscribers. We're going to uh, raise... We're going to introduce ads. Yeah, we're going to introduce ads that... Okay, I don't know if I don't know if you know this, but like uh, the top 
streaming quality is 720p, which is super mm-hmm. low for today's standards, and it blocks off most of the content on the platform from being accessed. Oh. Yeah. Why? Are they trying to short their own stock? You know, probably. Here's an article. So we learned back in July that the new tier would require new details with content owners and that the service would lack some of the content available in the more expensive packages. Netflix claimed that at the time, the vast majority of content would be available at launch, but, you know, with its launch, um, Wall Street Journal calls that report into question as Netflix hasn't yet reached an agreement with five major studios. So it has to do with uh, ad revenue. So five major studios are like, no, we're not going to have our content on there if you're making money off of ads that we're not making money from. I mean, yeah, that, that tracks. Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of this wasn't thought. You know, you wouldn't you get permission from all these studios before even creating this concept? It sounds like whoever's in charge uh, of their marketing division are freaking morons. It's not even marketing. It's no, that is true. Design. I, I, I would, I would agree with that. Um, when it comes to permission, they can kind of workshop it, but it seems like they didn't. Like they workshopped it entirely, and they're like figured out everything except getting the permission. Which, what are you doing? It makes no sense. Honestly, at this point, you know, Netflix was like the place to go. It had everything. Yeah. And now they don't have a whole lot of stuff because everyone else has their own streaming platforms. And then now it's like. I think that it started like the downfall was when they got too big for their britches and they were like, we're not going to. continue shows past their third season because they're not as profitable profitable for us yeah they don't have the viewer in mind with these decisions at all because like if they did they wouldn't be making these choices like it just blows my mind how it's like they're optimizing the web the website the product the app the platform to generate as much revenue as possible at the expense of the viewer it's kind of like the opposite of the business strategy of Costco. And for anyone who doesn't have context, Costco does a thing where they offer $5 chicken at the very back of their store. And there was a point in time where uh, Costco's board of directors were like, we need to raise, pr- raise prices. And the CEO himself said, I will quit if you touch that chicken. Because the strategy behind that is you go into the Costco, you know there's $5 chicken at the very back of the store. That's fine. They can take the loss on the chicken, but it's everything else that you're going to buy to going to the chicken coming back because it's in the very back of the store. Exactly. I actually use that concept on the websites I make because like, for example, uh, this web store that I designed, I put the free Mm -hmm. offer at the bottom of the page and I use the Costco example as the backing for that. Also, Targets puts their electronics section in the back of the store. 
And what's yep. the first thing? I used to work at Target. Oh, there you go. So you, yeah, you're fast, fun, and friendly. So, um, yeah, they they put the electron the high ticket items in the back of the store because you're not just going for that. And if you are just going for that, you're gonna see something else that you want to buy on impulse. So you're leaving. That's like the Target mm-hmm. motto. It's like you're not just going in for that one thing. If Target sells you on one additional item, they won. They're making money. So that's like yep. basic um, store design, basic like customer experience. And Netflix is like, there are fuck in, that. There are entire, like, speaking as someone who graduated with a degree in business, there are entire classes talking about placement and like how you interact with the customer that ui that ux Mm -hmm. exactly exactly you're speaking my language now yeah i don't know how we got into netflix from atomic blonde but i don't care because like oh uh because atomic blonde it it got picked up by netflix and then we're shitting on their business practices yeah netflix just blows my mind you know god we now twitter's going the same way honestly I don't care. <laughs> I haven't been a, like, I know there's a Twitter handle for this podcast, but I don't use it anymore. Cause I'm like, I, who cares? Like Twitter is like not the top social media platform anymore. I'm not getting TikTok. No, I'm sorry. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, I need to stay off TikTok just for my own mental health. I will get sucked in. I, I, I begin getting sucked in with the reels or the shorts on YouTube. And I'm like, no, Cause it's, it's so insidious that dopamine fix. Cause it's like, it's easy. Oh, yeah. Doom scroll. It's horrible. Go to the next thing. It's because like, there's so many things in there. The surprise elements, you're searching for the perfect, uh, real or TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know TikTok even had a search functionality. And every time I see it, the search functionality, it doesn't, Seem to be that intuitive, in my opinion. I need to look at it more. But, like, it banks that you're going through the For You page and you're searching Mm -hmm. for stuff and you're seeing what's going to pop up, what's tailored for you. Exactly. Netflix, why don't you just do that at this point? You have nothing to lose at this point. (laughs) You lost everything. they did try and, like indoctrinate kids into like binging stuff do you remember that probably what did they say Uh, a couple years ago they introduced a badge system for kids profiles where you earn more badges the more you watch oh no really because that's the decision that parents yeah that was a thing like you could earn trophies for how long you sat and watched stuff because as we all know, good, responsible parents want their kids watching Netflix all goddamn day. Wow. Okay. It would make sense mm-hmm. if it's like an educational platform, like they're learning crap. But I know it's on Netflix. It's TV. It's TV shows. It's just like mindless shit. And I have no room yeah. to talk because I fucking sat in front of the TV for hours on end growing up. Honestly, I don't care. Can you imagine <laughs> the poor sod who got the badge for watching all of the Boss Baby TV show? There's a Boss Baby TV show? Yes. Oh, no. It's, it's yeah. My uh, godmom's kids love it. 
honestly, we are living in a dystopia. And it's uh, Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Okay, let's get off the fence. Will Netflix go bankrupt? If they continue at the rate that they are going, yes. If they don't make some major changes now and uh, do anything, anything that's customer-focused, yeah. But I don't, I don't know if they can. I think at this point, like, they've hit that Titanic point where <laughs> they can't move. I don't know if they can steer, like, they can veer off. They hit the iceberg. They're, uh, they're on course. <laughs> they see the iceberg as bankruptcy. And it's like, oh, we can't move. Gotta go backwards. Ah. There's not enough time. <laughs> Stop the engines. Uh, uh, play more ads. <laughs> that's the those are the violinists the ads (laughs) make the viewers happy come on light happy Uh, badges for children we don't have enough life vests sir just give them badges distract them (laughs) badges for the women and children oh my god totally because like next year uh, or as I should say, in 2023, they're going to introduce uh, the password crackdown because here's the thing. They're not only limiting access to people that are sharing your password, but they're also penalizing those who shared their password by increasing their monthly cost. Yeah, because that's going to make people want to have a separate Netflix account. Right. People are just going to leave the platform. And once they're gone, they're gone. They're not going to come back. So it's like... I don't know what yeah. their end goal is because, like, they're trying to create, quote, more original content by increasing uh, monthly dues, but then you're hemorrhaging subscribers. Like, they are, like, they're not gaining subscribers. They're losing them with every business decision and their stock is going down. So it's like, do they know that they're the bad guys at this point? Or it's like, you know, we're losing money, but this is for the, the greater good. We're going to bounce right back. We're going to make money. We're investing in all these things. Yeah, next quarter. Next quarter, we're going to do great. We lost how much? <laughs> next quarter. Next quarter. It's fine. All right. We're down 20% this quarter, but that's fine. You know, it's just, uh, you know, growing pains. Growing pains. I don't think so, man. Netflix, God bless you. You know, you were the blockbuster killer, but I think blockbuster, you know what? I think blockbuster is going to come back. They're going to be the Netflix killer, whatever blockbuster is going to (laughs) be. It's going to be the new streaming platform. I'm telling you, blockbuster is going to come back. It's going to be like the all-in-one place to rent and stream movies. It's going to be like Amazon Prime. You just need one damn portal to have everything. It's like cable. Blockbuster, you can steal this uh, idea, Blockbuster, whoever's going to buy Blockbuster IP. Well, Blockbuster still exists. It does. There's There's one. a Blockbuster in Bend. Yeah, by you, right? Uh, So it's six hours away, technically, but yes, in my state. Dude, I'd go. That's a day trip. Hector went. He went? Get him in here. He went. Get him in here. Okay. Well, then we can close the yeah, show. I want to talk about Blockbuster. Because, like, 
growing up, you don't understand. I talked about it on the show before. Like the nostalgic I feeling. I went to Blockbuster as a kid. Okay. I guess. I'm not that young. Okay. All right. All right. But like you go in and you're, you're looking through the movies. The movies that you want to get are out of stock. So then they sell you on another movie. It's like, you know, this is just as good. And you buy like candy and popcorn. It was like the movie going experience oh, yeah. that you take home. And guess what? You can rent multiple movies. God, I just miss that. I just miss having a limited choice. I mean, you're in marketing too. Like a limited choice. Netflix is like, let's hook people in. They have them get lost on purpose because they have such an abundance of choice. But honestly, I think the abundance of choice is what hinders the platform because if there's too many choices to make, you're not going to make one. Blockbuster was like, here are your choices. Pick one. So you go in with like an idea. I, I want to see a sci-fi movie. So then you see what's available, what's in stock. Okay, I'll pick that one. Netflix is like, here's like 50 movies. Oh, shit, that's too many to choose. How to, which am I going to like commit 50 to? 50 million and they won't show you all of them. So you're just endlessly scrolling and yes. you're just going to watch Office. And then you spend the amount of time watching a movie looking for a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, choice paralysis. Yeah. Stop that scroll and spend more time watching. So you ask, you have questions about the Shangri-La? <laughs> so you went to El Dorado. Yes, went I have actually been to El Dorado. Me, Ed, and another friend of, a mutual friend of ours. Holy crap. So, they went okay. on a boys trip. All right, you got to tell me all about this. Because, like, Ruthie and I, and I assume you too, Hector, grew up going to Blockbuster, the Blockbuster going experience. What was it like going to the last Blockbuster on earth so we didn't know it was there so we were taking a guy's trip to bend we were all just kind of like having a weird time it's like let's just go hang out you know just a weekend the three of us so bend's like a two two and a half hour drive it was six hours i've never been to bend but i know it's like it's kind of far like it's past mount hood it's on the it's kind of central oregon we're west coast we're west coast oregon okay so we're just like okay let's just go and uh Let's just go bend. We're going to go snowboarding and we're going to just do some fun shit. So we're on our way there and we're stopping. I can't remember if it has a big sign or not, but we saw like Blockbuster and we're like, because we've all heard about it. We didn't know where it was. So we're just like, wait, shit, we found it. So we all just kind of stopped. There is a picture of Ed and Jesus doing the thing where you like bend your knees to the side and do like that. Slob squat. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the slob squat. Nice. So we did that in front of the thing, and we were like, we're going to run a movie sometime. So we went, uh, we didn't go in for the first day because we were just tired. We are just settling in. We went snowboarding. We had some food uh, the next day. But that night, we're like, we're going, let's go. Let, let's, let's go. We have to. We have to. So we were all completely disagreeing on every single type of movie. I got completely <laughs> outvoted on everything. Oh, man. That's great. The only reason we want... I, I, I had to fight because Ed wanted to watch Moon. Rent Moon. Oh, yeah. I don't even remember Moon. It's... As Kevin it's, Spacey. Uh, what's his... Huh? Kevin Spacey is the robot. Is he? Okay, I haven't yeah. seen the movie. Oh. So it was between Moon and Shape of Water, and I'm like, guys, Moon is all is on Netflix, like, right now. Let's get something we can't find. 
Yeah. And this was Shape of Water, like, I think it was, like, right before it, I think it had just won the Oscar, I want to say. So it was still relatively new. And it was Oscar bait, so Edward eventually, well, he would... That was what it. I was rooting for. I'm like, it's Guillermo del Toro, he doesn't miss. Let's just get this one. We convinced him, we watched it, we had a good time. It was so weird, it's... It feels like the last time I was there, just with newer movies. There is a really? documentary, I think it's on Hulu, about Netflix. the last... Or, it's a Netflix documentary? Netflix, which is very ironic. They the also irony. have They also have a new sitcom called The Last Blockbuster, and it's bad. It really? has... Uh, it looks pretty What's good. his name? The dude who played Asian Jim in yeah. The Office, yeah. Randall oh, Park. Yeah. And it has uh, Amy from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and it's not good. It's not good? It looks pretty yeah, I've funny. heard it's not good. I haven't seen it yet, but I've been told, like, not good. I'm going to watch it anyways. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I might watch it. I, I might drop after an episode or two, but yeah. Listen, did they have DVDs, Blu-rays? And Blu-rays, yes. VHS tapes? I couldn't find... I think there were one or two, but keep in mind, this was three to four years ago. Okay. I know during the pandemic, they were able to stay afloat. They turned the shop into an Airbnb. Yeah. And that was the only way they survived. Wow. I, I mean, people still want... Yeah, I, they're still alive, the last I heard. No yeah. one's gonna... They're not going to let it They kept the. <laughs> they were able to keep the rights. That was, like, the whole thing in the documentary was, like, uh, they have to request... Or they have to, like... Because it's a franchise, it's not technically Blockbuster. That's the reason it survived. But b- because Blockbuster closed, they have to per, uh, petition to use the Blockbuster name from the people who now own Blockbuster. Which I think uh, it's like AT&T or something like that. Yeah, I, I think okay. it is AT&T. Yeah, it, it's, so, a, it's a big corp. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I think they knew, like, if we don't let them, they're going to look really bad. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, no, it, it it's cool to see. It the only reason I wish I was lived in Bend, it's too damn cold up there, but. <laughs> it's a very outdoorsy town. Mm-hmm. Well, Viacom owns Blockbuster brand. Oh, it, it was, was Viacom. Viacom. I mean, they're just sitting on that brand, on that trademark. They could use it. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, wow. Very. Did they sell candy? Yes, they had candy. I don't know if they had the gumball machine. I think I saw the gumball machine, if you remember that. Do they uh, charge late fees? Yes. Yes, they did. <laughs> I We returned it the next morning because we were heading out that next morning. We only stayed like three, four days. Not long. No, I have my Blockbuster card still. <laughs> it's laminated. I think Ed has his new Blockbuster card. He's the one who decided to rent. He's like, I want to rent it. So <laughs> of That's awesome. Because he's the one who started the trip and everything. That is amazing. Wow. Okay. I mean, that is, I will make the pilgrimage. One day to the last blockbuster. It's there's some uh there is a film museum. I, when I was getting my first tattoo, or I think it was when Hector was getting his first tattoo. Uh, implying we have more than one tattoo each. Uh, <laughs> I want to get more eventually. I want to get more too. When when we were getting tattoos, one of us, uh, the tattoo artist was recommending there's a place just up the road where they have a lot of like film memorabilia. I wish we still have the address. Yeah. You know what? Also, I'm Ed might have stumbled into a film community, and okay. and I also have a Facebook. I also follow a Facebook group that does film and PDX. So, yeah, okay, it's all hipsters up here. There's bound to be something. 
All right, Hector. Well, this was awesome. Thank you for giving me your insights on Blockbuster, the last Blockbuster on the planet. For now. For now. I'm telling you, it's coming back. It might. I think if anywhere be like the hipster cities where it would unironically come back. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Okay. Are we ready to wrap this up? Yes. Awesome. Okay. Well, Ruthie, would you recommend Atomic Blonde to a friend? Absolutely. I would too. It's a good movie. It's a visual treat and it's a movie that will tickle your mind. Right, Hector? Oh, yeah. It Again, I expected John Wick. I'm not sure if it caught the early part of the recording when I was in. I also didn't realize we were recording until he said, are you ready to wrap it up? <laughs> uh, Hector Cameo. Yeah, Hector Cameo. Uh, I expected, like, just John Wick, but with, like, a woman, which sounds really weird out of context. But, and then like, getting a whole spy film on top of that, that was pretty cool. It was just, like, peak, you know? You know? Peak. <laughs> Yeah, well said. Yeah, I mean, I that's what I expected too, and I was like, oh damn, this is actually a good uh, spy movie. Like it's like really good, and the music was so good, so good. Oh, God, everything about this movie is like just well done. It's a great movie, and honestly, I don't think a lot of people are talking about it. It's gonna be remade by Netflix in a couple years. It's gonna suck. We're gonna have to revisit that. It's gonna be a great time. Well, I might reshoot it. <laughs> yeah, we might have to reshoot the Netflix one. When the Netflix one does come out, we might have to do like some kind of dif- uh, some kind of Discord Netflix party where we watch, like, we gather everyone on your uh, Discord and we watch Atomic Blonde. Uh, that, yeah, that would be a good idea. Yeah, if Netflix is still a company by then. True. I mean, it's going to take last longer than Twitter at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So okay. So as we close. Ruthie, Hector, guest star. Um, where can they find you? Okay, let's see if I can do this. I can never do it on our own episodes. So you can find us on Instagram at Reshoot Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Reshoot Movie PO1. Uh, we have a red box. We do stickers. You can get our merch. Uh, we are on Letterboxd. You can find Hector's. Redbubble is the merch. What did I say? Redbox is the rent. It's the <laughs> Redbubble. <laughs> We were talking about Blockbuster. Yeah, no, 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 you're completely fine. I, it took me a second. I'm like, wait, why does that not sound right? <laughs> right, movies. Yeah, I, was, I had a bunch of things going on in my head. But, uh, Redbox we are on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> going to take over Netflix. Uh, we are on Letterboxd. Hector, what's your... Uh, it's reshoot underscore Hector. And then mine yes. is film posters only. I only review the film posters. Uh, oh, too many people review... Yeah, too many people talk about the movie. I want to talk about the poster. Um, nice. You can also email us at reshoot podcast or reshoot at gmail.com. Isn't reshoot podcast at gmail.com? It might be reshoot podcast at gmail. One, one of the two. One of the two. Yeah. It's let's reshoot find out podcast. together. <laughs> I remember. You, you emailed nice. us the link. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad uh, you two are on. Thank you so much for coming back. You're part of the syndicates. And I look forward to. Seeing the new Atomic Blonde and also any other movies that you ever want to talk about. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on again. All right. Well, we've been talking about Atomic Blonde. Please check it out where where it is available. And uh, stop that. We're going to spend more time watching. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.
that's it for this time on The Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. Keep the conversation going by adding us on Instagram and letterboxed at Syndicate. Or join the Discord server where you can catch Armand along other podcasters and listeners at syndicate.com slash discord. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.